What a mighty God. Hallelujah. What an awesome Lord. Amen. He's wonderful. We love him today with all our hearts. Amen. Let's just bow our heads together as we go to the Lord in prayer. Maybe you've got a need in your life you'd like to be remembered today. Dear Jesus, thou knowest every need. For you are our God and you are our healer and deliverer. And certainly we could say there is just none like you. You're almighty God. And Father, we're asking that you'll minister to us today. Speak to us through the word, Lord. Stir our hearts to believe. Cause us, Lord, to rise up to the occasion, knowing that we're called in this last day to a high and holy calling. Heal the sickness among us. Lord, even those that are out there and, and they're listening in today, may they know that there is a God that heals and delivers and saves. Will you meet every need, we pray. We're your children and have gathered in your name now and asking that you'd minister to hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. We're going to let you have your seats right now. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord together today, isn't it? Amen. My, we appreciate the Lord for his goodness. Amen. Appreciate you being here, being in the service of the great King of glory. And uh, we got a little something there that we want to make mention. Of course, as you know, our, our annual meetings are coming up and we got uh, lots of plans for that that will be coming up the uh, second weekend of October, starting on Wednesday through Sunday six great services that I believe the Lord will really speak to hearts and lives. Amen. And uh, so we have that. We have Brother David Mayer that will be coming in a little early to the meetings. And, and so actually will be speaking for us the Sunday before the um, uh, meetings began. He's, uh, he's from Switzerland, France area. And I'm, I never know where he's from because... Um, you know, he's, he, I think he lives in, in, uh, in Switzerland, has a church in France, and, and I usually uh, meet him uh, somewhere else, you know, so it's always, it's always hard for me to tell exactly where he's from, but he's from Europe, amen, and he speaks English, so you'll enjoy him, he'll be a blessing to you, I believe that he's a real servant of the Lord, and also, um, I want to thank you for your prayers as we were just uh, visiting with um, Brother Kelly Hildebrandt and their annual meeting. Brother Ron Spencer and I spoke that together. We just saw the Lord do some awesome things as he just spoke to the people and revealed himself through the word and just broke down barriers and opened up uh, understanding. So God is, God is still God. I've just seen God work so greatly among that congregation in uh, years past, and, and this year was no different as we seen the Holy Spirit move. And we flew from there directly to um, Tulsa uh, and went to Brother Wendell Martin's, and there they were having their church dedication, and um, their, the pews that we gave them looked really nice there, and the ceiling that... Uh, I think Brother Joseph helped him with. God bless you for that, Brother Joseph, that 
helped made this for this building. I also carried it right on over there. It looked just awesome. And uh, they, they were just so happy. So um, we, we got to be with them in that celebration. Brother Andrew Glover, Brother Josh Bennett, Brother Jonathan Ma- uh, Martin, Brother Sean Martin, Brother Wayne Lawson all ministered there in the church. And then um, Sunday night we had a flood. And um, unfortunately, they didn't quite get the gutter out where it needed to go. And, you know, they didn't have the, the Baxters and Mitchells here and, and everything to, to put all of that in a drain pipe and get it away from the building. And so it, it, they just put in new flower beds and it um, all looked just really, really nice. And they were just ready for the Sunday morning. And here comes a gully washer and and filled their building about that deep with water. And, and, uh, but, you know, they were resilient people, and they just grabbed their things and took it over to the community center, and we had church. And uh, I just reminded them that morning, I said, well, you know what, it's, it's really not about dedicating a building, it's about dedicating the people. And so this is more important than even dedicating a building, is to have the people dedicated. So we had a great time in the Lord. Also, I wanted to show you something that's real special. You know, the other day we did something um, and showed you what they've been working really, really hard on. And that was Sister Lana Butts' testimony. And we're hearing back from all over the world, literally, of people whose faith has been inspired and lifted up. And, and they're believing for their own healing and deliverance and... and uh, you know, but uh, these brothers, Brother Michael Dexter, of course, and, and others have, have worked on it. I don't his whole team has worked on it. But after getting it done, we did it just a little clip. Um, and we're going to show you this morning what our brother David Dexter did working with the church down in Florida. Um, and Brother Danny Steeman's daughter-in-law uh, to try to get it. Uh, done into the Spanish language, and I wanted to share that with you just just right now, where you just kind of see. And I want you to hear. Uh, some time ago, Brother David Dexter said, "Brother Tim, what can I do to serve the Lord more?" I said, "Learn Spanish." So you're going to hear him now put to work and to, into use what he has learned in order to get this done, where that this gospel can be preached in all the world. And so it's in a language now that uh, the video will be released uh, today in, a, in the Spanish language for the Spanish-speaking people around the world. And I want to say to those that are, would be listening in today, God bless you. And God bless you and, and Brother David Dexter and those that worked with him on this. Go ahead and show it real quickly. Entonces estaba programada para comenzar a ver un oncólogo. Y así lo hice. Fui a mi primera cita y él me preguntó sobre todos mis síntomas y mientras estábamos ahí, él simplemente dijo, no creo que tengas cáncer de pulmón. Dije, que no. Dije, que creo que eso estaba considerado, pero eh, enviaron los resultados de la Universidad de Michigan y pasaron unas semanas antes de lo que lo re- recuperemos. Y él no acabas de ver a una hija de Dios a la gracia. Satanás no tiene poder sobre mí. Satanás no, no tiene derecho sobre mí. Amén. Tengo victoria en Jesús. Amén. Tengo una fe bíblica, una doctrina bíblica, una verdad. 
I bet you didn't know Sister Lana and I could speak Spanish. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. You know, as chapters in our lives, one will close and another will open. And we have many changes in life as years go by and times go by. And today we have something very exciting we want to share with you about a young couple here in the church. Brother Justin Ware and Sister Lillian Petersoli have pledged to be married. And they're going to um, consummate those wedding vows on January the 11th, 2020. So we're going to invite them to come here right now as we... Welcome this new couple here that the Lord has joined together, and we just thank God for uh, their, their lives and their testimony. I, I think it's wonderful when we have young people in our church that fall in love with one another and get married, and, amen, and put their roots down. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. So we certainly appreciate Justin and Lillian and their testimony. Wouldn't seem like no time ago the Lord reached out? On a, in a service, when, um, when Justin's sister asked for, for her, the salvation of her brother, and we were in the prayer line, we prayed, and while we were praying, God moved upon Justin's heart and bring him, brought him to church in his pajamas down to the altar, and he gave his heart to the Lord, and he's never looked back. Amen. That's a miracle. Amen. And God's still that mighty miracle working God. Stand over here, just over here. I want you to turn around here. Amen. What a wonderful couple this is. You know, um, Lillian's one of my, my uh, cousins, my cousin's granddaughters. And uh, so that makes uh, old Justin here a cuz. So, <laughs> you know, he's part of the family. And so I, now he has, he's in double trouble. He has to not only, you know, stand up, you know, for as far as to me as a pastor, but also as a relative. So now, you know, we want to just ask the Lord's blessings upon them today. Father, we want to thank you for this young couple that has pledged to be married. And Lord, as they enter into this time of engagement, we treat this so seriously, Lord, because we believe that a promise that is made should be binding and that it should be meaningful. And so, Lord, they have prayed over this and they've talked with me about it. And, and, and Lord, now today they've come to announce to the church their decision that they have made. And we're asking, Lord, for your blessings upon their lives that you would just... Um, follow them with that mercy and grace all the days of their life. May the Holy Spirit, Lord, just continue to guide them. The same one that would go to the bed and bring Justin to church and he'd surrender his heart to the Lord. May that he always yield to that voice of the Lord and turn to you with all of his heart for guidance and leadership. On the other hand, we thank you for Lillian and her testimony and her love for you. And Lord, as we no doubt um, would, would offer these little ones to you as, as young children, now they're adults. We're asking now 
that your blessings would go with them and that your uh, spirit would follow everywhere they go and then lead them and give them that gentle nudge in every direction they should take. For we ask it in the name of Jesus as we bless them in your name. Amen. Amen. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together. Congratulations to both of you. Amen. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Oh, bind us together, Lord. Bind us together. Bind us together with love. Amen. Well, it is just something about it. You know, when a man and a woman loves together and pledges to one another, we believe that they are to be eternal mates in glory. And we believe that, you know, that there should not be any kissing and touching and and so on before that day where they stand before the church and make that um, public and give witness. And I want to thankful, be thankful to the Lord for witnessing of, of seeing young people who serve God diligently and practice that very thing. And we just uh, are expecting that of uh, Justin and Lillian that they will continue with diligence um, the very goal that they set before them. Amen. Well, I'm, I'm about ready to read the scripture, but I want us to sing that song, and you can help me with it, Andrew. I've got peace like a river. Amen. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. How many is glad for that peace? Amen. Let's stand together as we worship the Lord. Like a river, I got peace like a river. I got peace like a river in my soul. I've got peace like a river. I got peace like a river. I got peace like a river in my soul. I've got joy now. I've got joy like a fountain. I got joy like a fountain. I got joy like a fountain in my soul. I got joy like a fountain. I got joy like a fountain. I got joy like a fountain in my soul. I got love like an ocean. I got love like an ocean. I got love like an ocean in my soul. I got love. Aren't you glad for that love, that peace? Amen. I mean, say, I've got peace. Amen. I've got peace like a river. It just bubbles up under eternal life. Amen. I, I, I tell you, I want you to sing it with just a little more fervor this morning. Amen. And just say it to the Lord. I've got that peace like a river. I'm thankful for that. I'm glad for the Holy Ghost bubbling up into eternal life. 
Amen. Come on, let's sing it now. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. Turn to Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26. We want to read from there this morning. Amen. So good to be back with you again. After being gone for some time, we so appreciate the brothers who have ministered while we were away. And they just did an awesome job. So we appreciate the Lord for that. Amen. Exodus chapter 15 verse 26. And said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statues, I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We have been speaking on the people of the book, have returned to the land of the book, and today we're going to be speaking on the return to the land of healing. And and of course, we have returned to this land of promise, and in this land, there is healing. It's truly a land that flows with milk and honey. Now, of course, the land that we have returned to is not the, the land of 
of, of rocks and, and soil and rivers and streams that uh, is over there in the land of Israel today, but what our land is is a promised land of the Bible. And we have been returned back to our homeland. And I, I just want to say, how dare, how dare we not believe in healing? When Brother Branham often said, how can I get you to have faith for a rapture when you won't even believe for divine healing? Now, we, we know that's true. I mean, when you go to, and thinking about this, um, you know, that if we can't believe even for God to heal one thing in our body, how can we believe for a body change? Amen. So we're going to have to be a people who believe and believe God and take him at his word and accept his divine promises. And yeah, we know we have doctors and medicine and we thank God for all of them, but that does not replace healing. They can't heal. Only God is the healer. And so because of that, you know, one thing that I, I feel like that we must do in preaching a full gospel, we must preach about a God that heals, a God that delivers. And, and of course, no matter what situations arise, you know, uh, one may get healed. We know that it, the Satan will come and attack in another way, and, and there's always going to be needing for healing in the church, deliverance. In Psalms 105 and verse 36, I want to remind you of the scripture that I spoke of some time ago on the end Passover where that he smote all the firstborn in their land, the chief of all their strength. And he brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. So this is what happened in that exodus. And so we are expecting the same thing in this exodus. Amen. That there not be one feeble one among us. But we see God continually as the Lord God that healeth all diseases. Now, we shared with the world Sunday, September the 8th, where just before I left, the last sermon that I preached here was um, on the, and we showed the testimony of Sister Lana Butts that we just gave you another clip where that is now translated into the Spanish language. And I just thought I would just stop for a moment as I kind of reminisced during those times of, as when reflected back upon that great healing that is um, now uh, going across the world and people are taking encouragement from it. And, and as, I, as I thought about that, you know, not only was she healed that day, but there was also another a little couple from Africa, South Africa, that had written me and said that, that you know, the brother said, I, I'm a minister and I hadn't had a job in several years and, and we're in a desperate situation and, and my wife has rectal cancer and, and we're just, she's in the fourth stage of that. And it just, it just moved my heart. You know, there's something I ought to do. I know compassion may be doing the will of God, but compassion is also mercy, having mercy. And I believe as a bride of Christ, we ought to be a people that, that show mercy. And that mercy sometimes may come by us calling on the name of the Lord so that there can be deliverance in that name. And so as, as uh, I took a prayer cloth 
that day to the pulpit and prayed over that at the end of the service and, and sent that to South Africa. We got a report back that the man said, I got a job that's unbelievable. He said, it's been waiting for me for several years. And he said, they've held it open for a couple of years until I, I came. And he said, God provided me an incredible job. And he said, my wife went back to the doctor and don't have a trace of the rectal cancer anymore. So I just want to tell you, you know, I, I've, I've heard reports from around the world of people with, with insulin-dependent uh, type 1 diabetes who, who was facing actually amputation and, and was healed by the power of God right while they're just listening to a service. So you see, God's still working, and he'll respond to anywhere that he finds faith. And that's what God is looking for. Now, you know, when we come with Sister Lana, you know, we, I, I did not send her daily encouragement, but just only as I was moved by the Holy Spirit. Or, you know, and, and of course, as you know, that her healing was verified by the PET scan on February the 19th, 2018, when she went to the doctor for her scan. That was, that was right after the February 18th service where that the Holy Spirit moved. I was preaching on the revealing of sons. And you remember what happened that day as I was preaching on God doing some extreme things to cause us to believe. And, and so as I ministered along that line and we come to the end of the service and, um, and, and we saw the Holy Spirit just move and and we began to sing the song, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms, which became the, the name of her, her, her film. And um, she jumped up from the mezzanine back there and ran around the building a couple of times there. A woman that was um, very sick, very weak, had no energy, you know, couldn't hardly make it through the day sometimes. She had taken four treatments of chemo, which the doctors would later admit that he thought the treatments would kill her as she was already so sick and underweight and fragile that the treatments themselves would kill her. But, um, you know, it was, it was um, during the month of January. This took place in February, but in the month of January, on the morning of January the 16th, just about a month before we would have that service on the 18th of February. I, I just was in prayer that morning, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me uh, to, to write her. And I just wanted to kind of reminisce and show you some of this. And I, in my, what I wrote her, I said, you're continually in our prayers, daily and through the night. And it's true. You know, through the night, every time, every waking moment, I would just... I would just awake and I'd just call her name in prayer and say, God, you've got to move. We need you on the scene. And, and I said, there's not a day that we neglect to pray for you that your faith will be lifted so the healing angel, the Holy Ghost, can sweep over you with his healing touch, responding to your faith. And of course, that was in reference to what happened with Sister Karen when she was there in the bed, unable to see out of her eye, lost her peripheral vision, and, and weak and, and went from a brain bleed and unable to um, uh, hardly go to the bathroom by herself and laying there. 
and reflecting upon her life and the condition and, and feeling sorry for herself. And Bethany comes in and puts little Drew, who had never walked at 18 months old, undeveloped hip. You know, um, they, they, um, uh, he, he was not able to pull up or to walk around a piece of furniture. Well, just stand and tottery, hold on to the edge, you know, just a little, but not able to really take steps and what never crawled. And there that day, as we, as, uh, as we were there in the house and Sister Karen laying in the bed and Bethany, my daughter, took the little baby Drew there, 18 months old, set him at the end of the bed, went over to talk to her mama. And about that time, the Holy Spirit swept through the room and took away her blindness. And she began to see clearly. And a praise went forth out of her lips. And it swept all over the end of the bed and swept over little Drew that was laying or sitting there. And he raised up out of the middle of the floor, not grabbing onto the bed, just raised up out of the middle of the floor and ran all over the house. He may sweep over you this morning. Wherever you are, either either here or around the world, if you're a part of his people, God's concerned about you and your need too. Amen. And as I wrote her, you know, I said, so that your faith might be lifted so that the healing angel can sweep over you with his healing touch, responding to your faith. I said, we know that faith is a gift of God that each of us possess. It is his faith. And we are rising to the occasion with you. God is not on your side. You are on his side. And I think sometimes that's what we forget. We get to thinking, you know, um, you know, that, that, that we, you know, that God is on our side. And I need him to come by our side. I want you to understand. And man, that's not really the way it is. God is not on your side. You are on his side. He's the leader in this. This is what he would tell Joshua when he was looking for a way into the city of Jericho. And, and God would say, um, you know, would come there with his sword drawn, the captain of the Lord's host. And, and he would declare, he would declare to him, I am the captain. Because Joshua would say, you know, are you for us or against us? And he would say, nay, neither. Amen. I'm not on your side. You're on my side. And I want you to understand this morning, it is God that is on, that is working on your behalf and you are on God's side. But this is not your battle. It's the Lord's battle. Whatever you're going through, it's his battle. Now, so I wrote her, you know this, we're rising to occasion with you. God is not on your side. You are on his side. The battle is not ours. It's the Lord's. Second Chronicles 20, 15. And he said, hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem and not King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Now, that's the way I want you to start thinking about your battles you're going through. 
And your healing may be on any realm. It may be on the physical realm. It could be in the spirit or the emotional realm. It may be in the soul realm, but it's all healing. And the battle is not yours, but God's. Sister Lana would respond back to me that day in a text, and she said, I believe that. When I was given my diagnosis, I told the Lord I was already so weak and tired. And I felt like I could not face what was ahead of me. And he reminded me that in my weakness, he is strong. And many times in this journey, I've had something to come up that I just had to put on his shoulder because I could not do anything about it. And it's such a relief to give it to him. I think about the scripture. He said, cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. She continues, said, I know he's waiting and ready to do for me more than I could ask or think. I am in expectation. I, only know, I know it only takes a moment and I'm praying that the channel will be open when it's my moment. I've already seen him lovingly caring for me in this situation. I know it's a simple matter to him to complete the work. I feel like, Caleb, give me my mountain. So we're so encouraged when someone says they're praying. And I know God hears everyone, and it does not come back void. And hard times, it comforts me greatly. Later that evening, she would write me again, and she would say, uh, Sister Mary Catherine, which is uh, Sister Mary Catherine Joyner here, a godly little sister, said, send me a, a card, and I received it today. And it had the same scripture on it that you sent us this morning, as David said, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. You know, when you're in a situation, you got to look for every sign along the road. And you got to recognize God in every situation. And I responded back and I said, this, of course, is no coincidence. This was predestinated and preordained as I was in prayer for you this morning. And as I prayed for you, this word came to me that I sent you. Of course, I did not even know Sister Mary Catherine would send you a card, but no doubt she too was moved by the Holy Ghost. No doubt it was quickened to her that it said just the right thing. Let me tell you, this is not even this morning a by chance meeting. You're not here by chance. You're here because God wants you to know I'm the healer. Whatever your situation is, whatever the problem is in your family, whatever it is, whether it's a mind situation, it doesn't matter if you were born with it, no matter if it's in your genes. This is a God who is a creator. This is a God who knows exactly how to create cells. You know, to remove that cancer, he would also have to create new cells. So not only did he remove the cancer from her lungs just there in an instant, but he also gave her a whole new set of lungs that would testify of the healing power of God. Why? Because God is a creator. Now you've been talking about missing limbs coming back and you've been talking about the power of the spoken word. We are already seeing it begin to happen. Amen. We ought to be under expectations to see God move. Now, 
I went on and told her, because as I reflected on that, on that verse, I thought, you know, what are, what are the odds? What are the odds that Sister Mary Catherine and I would send the very same scripture at the very same time, and God would move it upon our hearts, you know, her, her receiving that inspiration, me receiving that inspiration, and coming to her on the very day, there to start causing her to believe for something greater than just a healing. Are you with me? And I began to look at it, and I, I realized as I looked, I first looked up uh, the King James Version has an even number of verses. There's 31,102. So, you know, the chances of uh, us getting it was here one out of 31,002 chances of sending the same verse. And I said, God sent you two witnesses today by giving you the same verse, confirming that he indeed is the leader of this battle against Satan, for the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. And then, you know, um, as I went on to say, realizing this was very significant that Sister Mary Catherine and I would send you the same scripture in the same day, I looked up the number of verses that we have, could have chosen from. The number, as I said, was 31,102. And of these scriptures, there are over 7,000 promises similar to the one that we sent. So we picked the same one out of 7,000. The Holy Spirit did. And I said, what are the odds? One, one out of, of uh, 31,002, that's divine providence. And I said, while looking up the number of verses, I found out another interesting fact. The two middle verses of the King James Bible are the first two verses of Psalms 103.1. Let's read it together. Because I want you to see what's in the center. What is in the center of God's word. Psalms 103, 1, bless the Lord, oh my soul. <laughs> I love it when it starts out glorifying God ahead of anything, amen. Any, before anything happens, we're already praising him. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. This is right here in the very center of the word of God who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Amen. And who healeth all thy diseases. I want you to notice in redemption there is both healing for the soul, forgiving of the iniquities, and healing of diseases. Come on now. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Amen. So that thy mouth is renewed. Oh, excuse me. Who, who, who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercy. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things. So that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and justice for all that are oppressed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His righteous justice went out. Amen. Condemned that devil. Declared him dead. She went back to the doctor on the next day. Amen. And there, a complete clean, free scan. Come on. 
Amen. This is a scripture that's in the center of God's word. It should be kept in the center of your focus as he leads you to victory. God is speaking. Let us hear his voice. Sister Lana responded to this. And, and I just, or she pondered on this. And I'm just going to quote her from the video that we just released. How can the battle be his if I'm the one fighting it? I'm the one down here fighting. How can this battle be God's? But I saw in the Old Testament that the Israelites dealt in the physical realm things that we deal with in the spiritual realm. And I thought how they had to call on God and say, look what they've been saying about us. God would say, go to sleep. I got this. Don't worry about it. And the next morning they got up and their enemy was dead. And she said, she said, God, I believe if you're going to fight my battle, I believe you're going to have to do something supernatural for me. And from that moment on, I didn't just believe for a healing. I started believing for something over and above, something miraculous. Hallelujah. Amen. And I think that's the way we, as a church body, we in unison ought to be. Even this morning, we're looking for more than just a healing and a gradual thing to happen. We can look for the miraculous to take place. Amen. Because this God we serve, it goes to extreme, to do extreme things, to get his people to start believing. Amen. And that's what I preached on that morning, February the 18th, that God had gone to the extreme to get us to believe. And that we had returned to Bible doctrine with Bible faith with, and Bible days are here again. I want to declare that again this morning. Don't you ever to forget it. We are here in the bride's revival. Amen. Amen. Come on. Amen. We, we shouldn't have to be encouraged by the song leader to worship our God, to come out of our doldrums, to shake off Laodicea. We're the bride of Christ, and this is our revival. Amen. We ought to be here putting everything we got into it, worshiping with everything, giving praise, forgetting not his benefits. This is a day of adoption of sons. The manifestation or exhibition of the sons of God. When true sons, born sons, filled sons will speak and their words are backed. Amen. 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 William Branham would say that more than, this more than 60 years ago. He says, I believe we're on the border of it right now. Yes, sir, say to this mountain, let it be so. We're on the border. Back there 60 years ago, I say, where are we today? We're advanced. You, we can all see us advanced into the hour of darkness. Amen. But shouldn't we also be advanced in the, in the faith? Amen. And seeing God move as he said he would do. Come on. Amen. Of course, in the last year of Brother Brandon's ministry, he would declare by vision the bride in preview. And he would see the religious world of America. First he would see, you know, them, uh, them, them coming back, an ungodly bunch that would come in the preview from Europe. And then he, and then, then he would see in a vision, he saw, and, and remember William Branham's visions were, were accurate. They were, every one of them in detail. 
Are you with me? Not one of them ever fell to the ground. Amen. Names, addresses, where they come from. Amen. Well, what their situation was and, and their, whether, whether or not they would be healed. Every kind of thing was, was known. Amen. Even sometimes standing there, I say one, two, three, four, five different surgeries. The man who did it is a tall man. You know, too many odds. Wasn't a guess. It was God going to extreme things to get you to believe. So that you'd have confidence in the word. Amen. So now you would have this vision of the preview of the church. And you would see her rising up of a Europe, a filthy, ungodly bunch, immorally dressed. And then, then he, he said, now we'll see the, the church of America. And he saw the church of America coming up as a group of women. And they were naked from the waist up. And of course, she's naked as spiritually as well. Right? Amen. Did you know here in recent days, Colorado has joined five other states legalizing the right for women to go topless in public? You didn't hear what I said, did you? You're still sleeping. Maybe it's just shocking you. But now six states have joined together saying it's legal for women to go topless in public. And Brother Branham already saw her. Religious America. Dancing to the tune of rock and roll. Holding some little something in front of her like gray newspaper with fringes in front of her. But naked from the waist up. And he said, you know, when she passed by, there was nothing. And Laodicea is prophesied to be this way. Naked, wretched, miserable, blind and don't know it. But you realize we're right here in the very fulfilling of Scripture? Look, we, we live in a democracy. And I'll tell you, as much as we love democracy and talk about our freedom, let me tell you, it, it is no substitute for a righteous, godly king like Jesus will be in the millennium ahead. Amen. But you see, democracy is all sails and no anchor. So that now in the name of freedom and rights, they have the freedom to go topless. Ah, you say, well, Brother Tim, that's just secular women, Brother Tim. No, they're just as religious as they can be. And when, when, they, when, they, when the gays went and done their process, uh, their, their protests here some time ago, and they, they went, went down there, we're children of God too. We're God's children too. Now listen, you can't be God's child except you be born into his family. And that takes a new birth. Come on now. Amen. So we're not children of God just because we're Americans. Or we say we believe Christ. It's by a birth we become a child of God. But anyway, further, the more, you know, they're, they're religious as religious can be. And yet, and yet they're, you know, they're demanding their rights. Well, men, men can, you know, is not a sex symbol. And they, we, can, we want to be an equal with man. We, we're we're going to go out on the streets just like men. Furthermore, they have the right to kill their unborn children. Divorce, remarry as often as they will. Fulfilling the days of Noah, marriage and given in marriage. 
and that of Sodom and Gomorrah, full-blown perversion. We're living in the last days. Jesus would tell us and give us these, these very uh, days of Noah and the days of Sodom as examples of what it would be before the judgment strikes. But notice, in all of this, he also saw the bride. Now the church, he saw her naked, dancing to the tune of rock and roll. And then on the other hand, now he sees the bride coming by. Amen. And as he saw her coming to to preview the second time, because he first saw her as a bride, a godly little group of women walking down in step with the gospel. Amen. And then he, then he sees again Europe and then America. And then he comes back and he comes into preview the second time. Trying to get something here. Comes in preview the second time. And it showed that the church that was in the beginning on the day of Pentecost will come again at the end time. And this time she'll be in step with the word. Marching to the tune of onward, Christian soldiers. Hallelujah. I like it. Onward, 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 Christian soldiers. Not retreat, not looking back, not going back to another age, not repeating the sins of the ages past, but a people who's going onward. Because when we leave this seventh age, we're going in a rapture. Onward, onward in a rapture. Onward to a marriage supper. Onward to a millennium. Onward to a new heavens and a new earth. Never backwards. That's the reason the bride came in the preview. The second time there has to be a church called out of the latter day. Like there was in the first day just exactly. The tree has to come from its roots up to the bride tree like it did that time, God's masterpiece again. Birth pains, he would tell the vision again, and he would say, she is to be the same bride, the same kind, built out of the same kind of material that she was in the first place. Now read Malachi 4 and see if we're not to have a message in the last days that turn the hearts of the children back to the father's. Back to the original Pentecostal message, word by word. And I love this little next sentence that he says, Brothers, we are here. Hallelujah. We're not waiting another age. Amen. We don't have to wait even for another ministry to come. Amen. But we have received a message that turns our hearts back to the Father, back to the original Pentecostal message, word by word. Brothers, we are here. But I wonder today sometimes what kind of voice the church has been listening to. Can you imagine rejecting the true baptism of the Holy Ghost and accepting instead an easy believism? Just accepting the creeds, the doctrines of the message and people never knowing its life. The God of this evil age, Brother Branham, this is one of his last sermons that he will preach to his home church. And I just want to quote a few things from it. He says, you know, it's like when Satan came to, to Eve, 
You know, he comes there questioning the word of God. Why, as long as you go to church, and thou believest, the devil believes, not make believe, but he actually believes, and he's not saved, if thou believest. Can you imagine, you know, rejecting divine healing, or let me just say it, to neglect it is to reject it. Amen. And, and too often the church has neglected preaching faith and preaching healing and preaching deliverance. Are you with me? And to neglect it is to reject it. So he says, Satan tells the second Adam's bride the same as he told the first, such as now divine healing. There's no such a thing. We can prove that. There's never been a case of it proved. And that's what people want to say today. In the face of everything that has happened, ah, it wasn't really so. You see, Satan's trying today to convince the church to fill her with unbelief. Why? Again, if we can't believe for divine healing, how are we going to ever believe for a complete change of the body and the resurrection of the dead? As Brother Branham goes on to say, he says, you know, uh, quoting what is being said, there's no such thing as the baptism of the Holy Ghost in these days. That was only for the apostle. It's past. No such thing as prophets even not, is not even known of. Miracles, they're unscientific. Malachi 4, that was for another age. John 14, 12, Jesus didn't mean that. Uh, Luke 17, 30, that's just a myth. It's misinterpreted. It wasn't in the original. Such Tommy rot. When God comes down in our midst and proves it, when he says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he proves that, so I don't care who says or not about it. God interprets his own word. He said he would do this in this last day. There will be light in the evening time, and there is light for the manifestation of the Son of God. It's sad, but she sure fell for it again. Christ's bride fell for it, and she took intellectual knowledge of some seminary preacher instead of believing the pure, vindicated Word of God. And let me just say, the seminary preacher today may not have actually been to college. He may just have an education and a degree in the message, so to speak, and not no supernatural experience. Let me tell you, you've got to have a supernatural experience to preach this message. And I'll just tell you, furthermore, if he don't come in anoint it, it's as worthless as worthless can be. It ain't God's word unless God anoints it. So you see, again, he said, now she's caused the whole world to accept scientific leadership of the educational program that Satan has given to her under the name of a church, the leadership of an education scientific program. I'm picturing you the God of this world. When she, as Eve, had the very filling of God's word in her hand. She could have taken God's word, but what did she do to that? Instead of tarrying for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, she let science prove to her that the Holy Ghost was only for the disciples. Instead of keeping divine healing going, when she ought to be now, is everybody on board? She ought to be now raising the dead, doing great miracles, She's let Satan under his leadership of religious man take the word of God and try to say that that was for another age. 
And she's believed it. Well, you know, another age. Well, that was for the divine healing age. And, and that was for Laodicea. That was just to vindicate the word. That was just to prove that God and vindicate that God was sending a prophet. And so it did vindicate it. But it's more than vindication that God sent a prophet. It was, it was vindicating a message. And if the message is preached again, it will also have the same vindication. The signs follow those that believe. Amen. Jesus said, the things that I do shall you do also. He said, the Bible said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. These signs shall follow them, every one of them that believes. She denies every bit of it. She denies all the supernatural. She swapped it for his intellectual conception of the Bible where theologians had put their own interpretation to it and God left them set there dead. It's 12 o'clock midnight. You see, it's a time where there's a, another seed has been planted to crowd out the true wheat. This is what Brother Branham said would talk about and see the discrepancy also in the last year of his ministry. He talked about harvest time. And he said there's been two seeds sown. The son of man has went forth. That's Christ the word. Has went forth sowing his seed. The enemy has went forth sowing his seed. So to see the discrepancy contrary to the word of God. And, and he says... And then he goes to describing this discrepancy. When a man stands and says he's a gospel preacher and says that the days of miracles is past, that is seed of discrepancy. When a man stands and says he's a minister, a pastor of a church somewhere and does not believe that Jesus Christ is the same in every detail except the physical body, same yesterday, today, and forever, that's seed of discrepancy. When he says miracles in the apostolic ages past, that is seed of discrepancy. When they say there's no such thing as divine healing, that is seed of discrepancy. And the world is full of it, and it crowds out and chokes out the wheat. So seed of discrepancy. Now I want to talk just a moment. I, I want to bring you back into some review, which I can do. Not just because I'm old, but because I'm also the pastor here. I want to just bring something back to your memory again. Because, you know, as I have studied long time for years and pondered and wondered, how did the divine healing movement die? God didn't change. His attitude didn't change. His word didn't change. So what happened? You know, the divine healing died because of men's ego and kingdom building. Not because that God quit healing. Let's just get it straight. God still heals. God would send an angel to a man of God, send him out with a gift of divine healing. To, and, and even the Pentecostals would stand up in his meetings and prophesy, not knowing that it had been said on the river, on the Ohio River in 1933 that as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ, you're sent with a message to forerun his second coming. And then the Pentecostals would do the same thing. Down here, down in Houston, Texas, a man in cowboy boots would, would, would speak in tongues and another man would jump up and interpret it. 
And it would be the same thing that the man coming to the platform is as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ. He is sent to forerun the second coming. Then it would be Anna Schrader in Kansas who would stand up and prophesy the very same thing as Brother Branham came to the pulpit. What I'm trying to tell you is the Pentecostals knew. They knew it was, it was forerunning the second coming that God was doing some extreme things to get a people ready for his coming, to turn their hearts back to believing again. Now, before then, the majority of Christians didn't know that sickness was from the devil. Hello. Before then, the majority of Christians believed that sickness was from God. And they believed, as many do yet today, that God placed sickness upon people to discipline them or refine them or to bring glory to himself by allowing sickness and suffering. And that has been preached, that lie has been preached over and over and over again until it's ingrained in so many people today that it's God's will for me to be sick. Or how can I, how can I be healed unless I know his will? And here's the will of God saying over and over and over, I'm the Lord God that healeth thee of all thy diseases. And he can't change his mind. So he can't change his will. And then you're still wondering, is it God's will? You know, that was a condition that the church world was in. After seeing the miracles and the crowds and the potential for money and popularity, there was many impersonators surged to the, onto the field. Now, many of them maybe started out with sincere desires to help God's people, but they didn't stay with the pure goals and the purpose that William Branham had. And this brought about an age of impersonations as been prophesied in the Bible. This has brought us to perilous times. Now we're going to look at it in the Bible and compare it with the first Exodus. But look here in 2 Timothy 3 and 1. Know this also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now we're going to see the condition. Men will be lovers of their own selves. That's Laodicean. Self-lovers. Rich, increasingly good, have need of nothing. God, I don't even need you. Lovers of them own self, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, that means without sexual restraint, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. Oh, yeah, religious. Churchgoers. Come on. I believe Jesus. I love Jesus. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Now, what power are we talking about? Denying the power to live an overcoming life. Amen. And he said, from such turn away. 
For of this sort are they which will creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust. Don't you know that women are today are prey of the devil? Going out into our society, convincing them that of equality and freedom to go topless in public, to kill their babies, to do silly women laden with sins. Come on now. And the same thing today, you know, goes right down. Silly women, women who won't be subject to the word of God. Amen. Led away with divers' lust. He said it would be in this deceitful age. And we come right down to it is not just women, but it's the churches who are women also. Silly women. Laden with divers' lust. We want a million more in 44. We, we want more names. We want more membership. We, and first thing you know, the, the church is a cage full of every unclean and hateful bird. Every kind of evil spirit is sitting on the pews. Churches leading away with sins, with divers' lust. Ever learning. Huh. More why you you could, you could fill this whole church with religious literature today, written by theologians of all kinds, more books than ever. Come on. Ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Then he comes down and says, Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be made manifest, shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also were. Now notice he names them Janus and Jambres. It's not even written in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament is written what their names are. Janus and Jambres withstood Moses. And we know what they did. Here comes Moses out with a sign. Amen. And his sign was he had a staff in his hand. And he would throw it down, it would become a snake, a cobra, right? And then, then as, as it was crawling, crawling over, he'd go over there, pick it up, and it would become a snake again. He was showing the power that was in the message to bind Pharaoh's kingdom, amen, under the sign of the cobra, amen, you know, the, the chief of demons, and he had the power there, and he walks into Pharaoh's court and said, I've got the power to bind you or loose you. Amen. But what happened? A couple of magicians come out. Janus and Jambres, they're going to they're imitate what he did to harden the heart of Pharaoh to keep them in bondage. Now, God has a desire for his people to be free. Free from organization, free from man's ideas. Come on. Amen. Free to serve him with all their heart. That's what God wanted for Israel. But there was certain men, Janus and Jambres, who was inspired to harden the hearts of Pharaoh to, 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 to keep him from, to cause him to not let the people go. One, to keep them in Egyptian bondage. Are you with me? Keep them, if we would bring it today, in the organization and denomination of man and bound up by creeds and dogmas rather than being free to serve the living God. Amen. Now you say, how did they do it? You say, Brother Tim, they did that by Satan's power. Satan can't create and Satan can't heal. 
Is that right? They were, they were, using, they were using God's power. Amen. To imitate Moses' gift. You see, that's what people don't understand. The Bible tells you that there will be anointed ones in the end time. And they would have true anointing yet be false seed. So there are anointed ones at the end time. The Bible said, the Bible said in Matthew 24, 24, that, that, that there would arise false Christ. Plural. In other words, it would be many saying, I'm anointed. Amen. Saying, I am anointed, but they're false. And they're false prophets. Of course, you talk about Brother Branham being a prophet. This is the first scripture they want to point you to. This don't identify Brother Branham. This identifies the false prophets that are out there in the world today. Amen. That are saying, I'm anointed. And even show great signs and wonders so that to do what? If it were possible to deceive the elect, but there's something about it. The elect will not be deceived. Now, so again, Janus, Janus means he vexed. He was there to vex, to vex the Israelites, to vex Moses. Amen. He was there, Janus, meaning foamy healer. F-O-A-M-Y, foamy healer. In other words, blowed up with a lot of air. And these were the two Egyptian magicians who were in the presence of Pharaoh who imitated the miracles of Aaron and Moses in, in order to destroy his influence with the king. And it worked. And the Bible tells you it'll work in the end time. Because in Revelation 13, 8 said that all will worship the beast and his image. Except those whose names are in the Lamb's book of life. So you see, it's going to be a whole set of deception in the last day. When you think about a rapture, it's not going to be billions of people going. It's going to be the elect of God going in a rapture. Yeah, there may be billions by the time the resurrection, but out of this age. A handful in comparison. Are you with me? This is a time of darkness upon the earth, a time where impersonators abound. (laughs) Janus and Jambres who withstood Moses with their impersonations were able to convince many not to get under the blood. Don't apply the token. Don't take a lamb. You know, some Jewish scholars say it was only one in five Israelites that left Egypt with Moses, meaning that nearly 20% Only 20% of the Israelites left Egypt. And of course, this was demoralized the others. You think about how how it's hurt you for for so many of your friends and loved ones and and relatives to, to be pulled away and out into sin and some secular religion and lost as lost can be. And of course, this would cause many to go back to Egypt in their heart as they were along the journey. But let's just go back for a moment. As I have said, God was doing some extreme things in our generation. An angel would come in 1946. He would come there as Brother Branham was there in prayer about his misunderstood life. 
because preachers were saying that it was a, a devil that was upon him, and he kept hearing the voice of God speak and telling of situations and so on, and his pastor said, that's the devil, man. You better get away from that. And he said, I don't want to be a devil. So there, when he felt it, as a, as a spirit of God moved over on him, he went into his cabin there near a cave, and, and there he went into prayer. And the angel of the Lord visited that night a little Kentucky preacher, and it's heralded one of the greatest divine healing moves ever. I'm going to just say it's been the greatest divine healing movement ever. God waited to this generation to do it, to display before the Gentiles the same thing that he did when he walked the shores of Galilee, to show himself the same healer, the same deliverer, the same Savior. Amen. To get you to start believing. Amen. It was to forerun the second coming of Christ. As I said, to get you to start believing again, to return us back to the faith. Anybody ought to know when we look at it. I mean, look at We got 40,000 different denominations. And every one of them calling the self the faith. And yet there's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of us all. Is that the Bible? Amen. So how do we get 40,000 of them when there's only one? And they can't all be right. So God would have to show us what is right. The coming of the angel to Brother Branham would start the divine healing movement which would inspire a sleeping church and awaken their faith trying to help spread the word. There were men that rose up to help Brother Branham. And, you know, while he's praying for the sick and, and, and fasting and talking to the Lord and, and having visions, they would, they would do the, the, the groundwork and setting up meetings and purchasing a tent and, you know, doing things to, to help whatever they could. And they organized uh, the Voice of Healing with a magazine with the same name. And first, it was used exclusively to inform the public of Brother Branham's meetings, the testimonies, and miracles. And, and so it was to inform the people. But, you know, Brother Branham wanted nothing to do with the, with the money or the popularity to, that was derived from a, the angelic visitation and from the resultant miracles. So he allowed men like Gordon Lindsay, Jack Moore here from Life Tabernacle in Shreveport, to take over the, the, and, and make a, a little organization and a magazine because he was a man too sincere, too dedicated to God's service, to desire a big organization and a kingdom for, for himself. And, 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 and just a, a little later on, he, you know, just, he said, it's too much. It's too much for me. I, 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 I can't, I, I, I don't believe in organization. And, and my, this is organized just so tight. I, I want to be free where God can lead me. And he just would give up the voice of healing, give up his magazine. I don't want it. I don't want the money. I don't want none, none of it. All I want to do is help God's people. I say, thank God for somebody that sincere. A man so sincere that they would come and offer him a half a million dollars or more at a time to take, and he would turn it down, said, I don't want it. 
Listen, he wasn't too simple or too illiterate or too naive to build a kingdom for himself, but it wasn't that at all. He was capable. You know, he could have surrounded himself with men and been a multi, multi, multi millionaire. Amen. But he just wanted to introduce Jesus Christ to the world and show to the people that God still cares for his people. I think that's what our message has got to be about today. If we really are preaching the message, it ought to be a message God still cares about his people. He's still concerned about the sick, no matter what the situation is. It would be a decade later in 1955 that Brother Branham would take a careful examination of his ministry. And by this time, the fields was crowded with competitors. You know, men who had run, you know, been inspired that God would heal, but now it had turned into who can have the biggest, who has the biggest ten, who has the most subscribers to the magazine. And it all began to be about preachers and their ego. I'm trying to tell you why the divine healing movement died. It didn't die because God died. It didn't die because God quit the healing business. It, is, it didn't die just because it, God vindicated a messenger and then, and then quit, quit, quit doing that anymore. No, it's his word. But yet the man with the angel who came to him and was the most gifted had no magazine, no tent, no ego, just a sincere desire to help God's people. On the other hand, all Roberts who came to, to see what was going on and said, would God hear my prayer, Brother Branham? And he goes out and he builds a university and names it after himself, ORU. And he joins the United Methodist Church because they offered more leniency and doctrine and moral issues in Pentecostal Holiness Church. And so he positioned himself as a mainstream denomination to be more accepted. And then, you know, you remember I told you, and it's on the tapes, 1955, Brother Branham will abruptly quit and go home because there was not enough money to cover the campaigns. And he had promised God, I'll never beg the people for money. We'd take up an offering, but I'll never beg them for money. And, and, and they was, the, the men there were saying, let us, let us beg the people, you know, for, for some money. They'll give more. And he said, no, God, I promise God we'll pass the plate. If that doesn't do it, you know, then, then we, you know, we, uh, we won't do anything. I'll quit. I'll go home if God doesn't pay the bill. He was $15,000 in debt. This was equivalent to about $130,000 in our money today. And during, during subsequent investigations, it was found that his manager, Gordon Lindsay, of the, the, of the Voice of Healing, was taking most of the money for his own use. It says in Wikipedia, it tells us that Lindsay made $80,000 to manage Brother Branham's campaigns, while Brother Branham made the equivalent of $62,000. So, you know, uh, again, you know, one, one's making, uh, excuse me let, me, let me read this verbatim. It said, Brother Branham had a salary of 7000 where Lindsay made 80000 to manage his campaigns. In today's money, Brother Branham made a salary of 62000 
while Lindsay pocketed 750000 for the year, and all of this went to the Voice of Healing Foundation, which he later changed the name to Lindsay's uh, Christ for the Nation in Dallas, Texas, built a Bible school. You see, it's just like Elisha. You know, when, uh, when, Elijah, when, he, when Elisha refused the money from Naaman the leper, you know, Gehazi the servant took it and became a leper. You know, Brother Branham didn't want the money. Well, Lindsay did, and he built a kingdom with it. Amen. Complete with a Bible school. So you see, it wasn't at all that God had failed to provide. It was that men with their own greed and agendas was misusing the funds. And, it, and now the, the field was crowded with impersonators touting the biggest tent, the most miracles, the, 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 the most on the television and television programs to exploit them. And, and the man who had been visited by the angel with the real message was pushed aside by the masses. He's the only one with a real gift. Only one met by an angel. The others are running off of his reputation. Like, like I said, I spoke to you about Jack Coe. He came to see. He was an assembly of God preacher. He came to Brother Branham's meetings. He was a skeptic. He, didn't, he, he just didn't believe all the reports that God was healing and doing what he was doing. And he, he thought that it was a sham. So he went out there to, to, to watch it and see and find out that it was a sham for himself. There was a man that was blind with no eyeballs. And Brother Branham told him on the platform in three days there will be eyeballs form in your head and after that you'll see. And Brother Jack, Jack Coe, he scoffed. Said anybody can say that. Said, you know, yeah, I mean, he's going to disappear into the crowd and, 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 and go out. We'll never know. We'll never know whether or not there ever eyeballs ever formed. We'll never know this. So he was a skeptic, and he's sitting on the platform, and his brother Branham exited the platform. He stopped by, stopped, and he touched Jack on the knee and prayed softly and said, Jack, he's, or he said, sir, you're not sick. You're just worn down from preaching to me. He said, don't be skeptical. You were doubting whether this was of God. I want to tell you, this is of God, and we're both fighting the same devil. Go and continue revival, for you were also called to pray for the sick. Jack said he left the meeting that day. He said on cloud nine, you know, he was going to have a, uh, he's called to pray for the sick too. But uh, he, he come back on the third day to see if that man showed back up who, who was prayed for with no eyeballs. Said that he found him, found him in the crowd there and he found him that eyeballs had formed in his head. And by evening, the blind man was seeing and he's shouting all over the place. Amen, because he said William Branham was raised up for dispensational purposes. Amen. Now, but then, you know, it would turn out to be who has the biggest 10? Who has the most subscribers? Who's the most popular on television? You'd have O.L. Jaggers, another man who would get inspired, an assembly of God preacher, inspired by the miracles. And started out perhaps humbly, but seeing that he could be enriched. With the crowds, not having gifts or an angelic visitation. He got, he got started promoting uh, the sale of blood and oil. 
and, and that he sold for the purpose of healing and vitamins from the Dead Sea and baptizing people into eternal life, claiming they would never die. All kinds of fanaticism. And the same thing that would happen, oil would turn and claim the power of God in his right hand and then turn off to a prosperity gospel. You know, planting to feed the seed of faith in my ministry and send me money and God will bless you, and, you know, financially in return. And he, he, he joined the more liberal Methodists and so on, deny his Pentecostal roots. You know, here again, this is their folly. What's being made manifest. And I'll tell you what, it's even going to be worse than that. Amen. When God takes this bride up and takes her in a rapture and the rest are left behind for the tribulation, come on, that's when the folly of all of this other nonsense will be made manifest. But I'll tell you what, once you just stay true to the Word of God, amen, because God's going to have a rapture for a church. Now I just want to cover some things. I'm trying to hurry. But in 1955, Brother Branham has a tenth vision. He's shown the third pull, which is the third phase of his ministry, three phases. First, he's shown the managers are mishandling his money, misusing the funds, that their emphasis was on money. Saw them taking an offering, but no altar call was given. And Brother Branham said, when did the offering become more important than souls? And they said, well, we dismissed the meeting. We took the offering. And, 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 and he said, well, you know, they said, uh, said, they'll come again. So when, when will they be here? Well, what time is the next service? Oh, any time. He said, there won't be nobody here. You, the, the campaigns are mismanaged. You, there won't be nobody here. And one of them turned over to him and said, well, wasn't Christ left with 12 when he told them the truth? Identifying what would happen. If you stay with the truth, the masses are going to leave. And this was the fall of the divine healing campaigns. It became about money, prestige, popularity, and, you know, and nobody, nobody who wanted to attract crowds and the masses would preach the truth. So now holiness isn't preached. Righteousness isn't preached. You know, just God's going to bless you. Give me money and God will bless you. And here, here it goes right on down a prosperity gospel. Believe anything you want to. Turns right out into the charismatic movement. Let me, let me tell you, friends, God's going to have a people who will walk with the Word, who believes a Bible faith and a Bible doctrine, a Bible truth, who preach Bible holiness. Amen. A people who will stand for God in this last day, who will do exploits. Troubled about the impersonators. Brother Branham was seeking the Lord and he had this vision of the tenth vision, the third pull where miracles were performed in a little room away from the eyes of the impersonators. The third pull was to open the word to greater deliverance. It was to open the seals, thus open the mysteries that close, that it closed the promises of God to us. In the tenth vision part of the third pull, he, he saw the working of miracles that couldn't be impersonated. They were miracles and healings and deliverance that were brought on by the word being released under the influence of the mighty angel. Now, I want you to think of this for a moment because he would see 
out of the eyes of the impersonators. He said, this one will not be impersonated. And he saw a piece of canvas, and behind the piece of canvas in the tent was a, was a, uh, was a little room, about a 20 by 20. And he said, they went through that little room, and he said, I watched them, and there was a prayer line. I've got a point for all of this. There was a prayer line that went out around the building and down the street to come into this little room. And he said, I, I, there the angel of God told me, I will meet you in there. And he said, the things he told me in there, I'll take it to my grave. It will not be impersonated. But I want you to get it. He said, I also saw that there was a prayer line that had been made, or altar call rather, that had been made. And he said, people were weeping and crying everywhere, coming to Christ. And he said, oh, that looks better. Now, I want you to get something. We preach about the opening of the word. We preach about the seals being open. We preach about the mighty angel that has revealed his word and the mysteries of God have been revealed. Don't we preach that? But with that, third pull comes an altar call. Are you with me? You cannot be preaching the truth of this message and it don't bring people to an altar. Amen. And let me bring out the next point I want to bring out. You cannot be preaching the third pull of this message and don't have a prayer line. Where miracles are happening. You know, today people want to claim that they're preaching the the third pull of Brother Brandon's ministry and there's no miracles, there's no sign, there's no prayer line. We don't even want a prayer line today. We don't want to even pray for the sick. You know, you know, God, God you did that to vindicate a prophet. Same, same old Church of Christ spirit that, that followed there and, and come up and said, well, that was in the days of Jesus and the possible. God don't do that anymore. I want you to know Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. And if we really preach the message, we will be bringing people to an altar to meet Christ personally. And we will bring them to a place where in a prayer line they can have deliverance. And I, I don't care how the prayer line's conducted. Amen. I don't care which way it happens. It matters not to me whether when we're preaching that someone gets healed and jumps out of their seat and runs around the building without hands being laid on them. Amen. I think our whole church ought to be a prayer line. Hallelujah. I think our whole church ought to be an altar. I think it ought to be an atmosphere of the Holy Ghost where souls are saved, sinners weep their way to Christ, and the sick are healed, and the people are delivered. Brother Branham would see it again just before preaching on the seven seals. And he said, a sword dropped into his hands. And he said, this is that third pull. It's the king's sword. And I want you to know where God keeps his sword. He don't keep it in a sheath. God's sword is in his mouth. And the sword, the message God gave you is not for decoration. Come on. Amen. It's not a status symbol that we walk out in a parade and we got this big sword and oh, we, we're the man. 
oh, we're the bride or we're the people. That ain't what it's for. The sword is to be in your mouth. Because that's where God holds the sword. Amen. And you are to speak to your mountain. You are to claim your promise. Brother Branham would show us the power of that. And he said, it's five times it's been vindicated. And I don't have time to really go into all the details of it. But, but, it, but it would be squirrels that were spoken to existence, God supplying a need. It would, be, it would be winds and storm that was spoke to and sent back for where it came from. Amen. It would be Hattie Wright's two children there that would come to Christ as the word was being spoke. Fall on their knees and repent. Right there. Are you with me? Amen. It would speak the word, and there a tumor would leave Sister Brandon's body about 2,000 miles away, showing the word has no limitations. Amen. It'll go right over to India, right over into Africa, no matter wherever you are today. It'll go right there, and it'll cut out diseases. It'll heal the sick. It'll raise the dead. It'll provide for the needs of God's people. Because it's a word that goes forth in power. Hallelujah. It'll speak to the storms in your life. We should not be the tormented. We should be the tormentor. Come on now. If we're like Jesus, Jesus said, the devil said, why do you torment us before our time? Amen. I just want to say the devil, what are you doing trying to be the tormentor? We're the tormentor. Amen. We have been sent here to tear Satan's kingdom down. We have been sent here. Hallelujah. To speak a word against that devil. And he's got to loose our children. He's got to loose our loved ones of their sickness. He's got to loose the church where that they can walk in freedom and the power and the anointing of Christ. Brother Branham would say the word is supposed to be in our mouths too. Now we know that the church is his body. Come on, somebody. If the word, the Bible said the sword is in his mouth. Out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword. All right, come on now. Let's bring it right down. So the church is his body. Amen. So it's here. The church is here taking his place. And what will be in the mouth of the church? The word. Quit using it for decoration. Put it in your mouth. The Patmos vision, he said, Paul said that the word came in power as well as voice. The word preached actually demonstrated itself. Like a flame and cutting sword, it went to the consciousness of men. And like a surgeon's knife, it cut out the diseases. It set captives free. And everywhere those early believers went, they went preaching the gospel, the word. And God confirmed the word with signs following. The sick were healed. The devils were cast out. They spoke in new tongues. That was the word in action. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, today, oh, we don't believe in speaking in tongues no more. We, we, we don't believe in the, in the sick being healed and devils being cast out. Oh, that was, that's in the past. That's the word in action. 
Amen. And the word, can you hear me now? The word has never failed in the mouths of believing Christians. And in this last age, how many believe we're in the last age? In this last age, it is here. Stronger and greater than ever in the true word bride. Oh, little flock, you little minority, hold on to the word. Fill your mouth and your heart with it. And someday, God will give you the kingdom. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The impersonators are know nothing about it. But let me hear, let me just read you a few things as we try to bring this to a close this morning. But in the indictment message, Brother Brandon said, may there come forth a revival of the just. How many, how many is the just today? The righteous. Amen. May there come forth a revival of the righteous, the just. And a great power come among the church just before it's going. And it's not, oh listen, it's not hard to pray that. Because you promised it, and we're looking, Lord, for that third pull that we know will do great things for us in our midst. And why Christ speak? He would take Moses standing there, having been commissioned and sent, and rather than taking the word and use it, he began to cry to God, You know, what must I do? What must I do? He said, It's just like humans. We get into a situation, you know, one day we're on the mountain, glory to God. Look, all our enemies dead. We, we left out of Egypt triumphantly. Then we get him dead, and we're back down in the doldrums. Why, wow, brother, if victory was great there, it's going to be greater here. Come on, God doesn't change his mind. He says you're going to the promised land. And I'm telling you, God hasn't changed his mind either about his word. There's going to be a people inherit the entire promise of God. So why cry to me, Moses? Why are you crying to me when I proved I'd be with you? Haven't I healed your sick? Haven't I told you that which had happened just exactly? Your pastor can't do that. Me, he can't. He's a man. It's me, the Lord, that, that, that he would say, I'm the one that did this. I'm the one that tells him these things to say. It's not him, it's my voice. I'm the one that raises up your dead when they drop down. I'm the one that heals the sick. I'm the one that foretells these things. I'm the one that does the saving. I'm the one that gives the promise. God, give me courage to take that sword of the word that he put in my hand about 33 years ago and hold it and march forward to the third pull. That's my prayer. Hallelujah. He would preach a sermon called Spiritual Food in Due Season. And he would tell us, there's a food for a season. And it's a spiritual food. And he said, he gave the illustration there about if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, he run prayer lines, people come to him in great lines, multitudes, he touched them and blessed them. Come on. People, people are there today. We, we don't need prayer lines. We don't need laying hands on the sick. Sure, I get it. You can get it in your seat. Sure, I get it. But I also get it that the Bible said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. 
We believe in a full gospel, don't we? Yeah, there are times out. It depends on how the inspiration of the Lord comes. Times where the word is just spoken, it happens. Are you with me? Said the woman there came there that that touched him. Said her and he said her blood issue was gone. Her faith had made her whole. Said what did she to turn around? Said well I don't know Lord, I've had this a long time, and that's what we do. We get prayed for, or we get a touch. Well you know, I've had this a long time. I've been waiting. This is serious now, brother Tim. You know, if she'd have done that, it wouldn't have happened. You see, that's an expression of doubt. What if he told the Syrophoenician woman, you know, because this word that you said, your daughter, the devil is gone out of her. Said, what if she said, well, now, Lord, I wanted you to do it this way. The devil would have still been in the girl. But she expected to find her child the way he said she would find him. Are you with me? Amen. So he said, now he told us, now here again, this is what he told the woman with the blood issue. This is what he told the Syrophoenician woman. By the way, let me just get something straight. He tells the Syrophoenician woman who is crying after him, and she's a Gentile. And he says, I'm sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And said, is it right for me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs? And of course, the little woman that didn't change her. Didn't matter what God called her. Amen. She just admitted the word was true. Amen. And she just accepted it for herself. But yeah, even dogs get the crumbs that are under the master's table, right? But here's what I want you to get out of that whole thing is that he said, is it right to give the children's bread divine healing? So let's get it straight. Then if you're a child of God, divine healing is your bread. It's your inalienable right. And the devil has no right to steal your bread. And you've got a right to that bread. You've got a right to eat of it, all of it. And say, by his stripes, I am healed because I'm a child of God. And as a child of God, this is my bread. Provided by my father. Now he said, the man who preaches the social gospel don't believe that at all. He'll walk up the door, stand there and say, well... Just another bunch of holy rollers and walk away. He don't know that this is the hidden food. He don't know this is a secret thing that's hid from him. He doesn't know it. It's pitiful. A mind that's naked, miserable, blind, and don't know it. That's a bad thing. Oh, amen. But oh, tell me. It's not hid from us. This is our food. This is the hidden food that God allowed for the last day. Satan the mountain. Amen. Be moved. Don't doubt in your heart. When you pray, believe you receive it. It shall be given to you. And Brother Branham said, it's a pitiful thing. A mind that's naked, miserable, blind, don't know it. That's a bad thing. But oh God, let me die first. Don't let me get like that. I'd rather die, yes sir, than to do that. And I think every one of us would, wouldn't we? Amen. But you see, God 
will break the yoke of sickness up of your life. Now, I'm trying to bring it down to you. I don't care if it's soul sickness. I don't care if it's emotional healing. Listen, there are people that get bruises in life. And they carry about a bunch of baggage because of their past. But I'm telling you, there's even healing for that. That you do not have to continue taking the sins of your past because this is the Lord God that forgives all of your iniquities. And iniquities was when you even knew better than to do it, you did it anyhow. And yet this God will even forgive that. He's here to heal the body, the spirit, and the soul. He will break and break the yoke of your sickness. You don't have to be bent over by the weight that the devil puts on you. You are not the devil's slave. He said in Exodus 15 that we read, I am the Lord that healeth thee. He said in Exodus 23, 25, I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Oh, yeah. Amen. Notice he he says, let's just read it. I've just got just a little more time. I was going to quit early today. I had good intentions. Exodus 23, 25. You wouldn't be sure it was me. <laughs> and ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread. Somebody say amen. amen. And thy water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. And there shall nothing cast their young nor be barren in thy land, and the number of thy days I will fulfill. Are you with me now? Number one, I will take sickness away from you. Number two, the number of your days I will fulfill. Yeah, we got a number of days. Yeah, we got a number of days. Let me just say Psalms 139.16, and this is another translation, but your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. He would say in Job chapter 14 and 5, Since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you and you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. Job 14, 1 through 6, man who's born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. He comes out like a flower and withers. He flees like a shadow and continues not. And do not open your eyes on such a one and bring me into judgment with you. Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? There is not one. 
since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you and you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. So God knows. Yeah. You say, well, Brother Tim, I tell you, I'm sick, I'm going to die. Well, not necessarily. Well, he knows my days. Yeah, he does. And they're numbered. Yes, they are. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to be cheated of any of them. You remember a man in the Bible by the name of Hezekiah? And the prophet told him, your time is up. Amen. You've come to your allotment of days. And Hezekiah, instead of giving up and curling up and dying, he set his face to the wall and he asked God for more time. Amen. God said, there's an appointed time. And it was an appointed time. But when a man turned to his God... And says, I I need an extension on my life. Yeah, I've got a sickness unto death, but I don't have to die when I got a God like I got. Who is the healer of all diseases. Hallelujah. The prophet had said, Thus saith the Lord, set thy house in order, and thou shalt die and not live. Now that's the words of a prophet. And yet he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, I beseech you, O Lord, remember how I've walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And he wept sore. And God sent his prophet and turned him around and said, go back and tell him, I heard his prayer and I'm extending his days. Amen. You remember the children of Israel, they were faced with death at the time of their exodus. And there they were, they were, they were, have a spiritual deliverance there from Egypt, coming under the blood. And as soon as they were accepted and become believers and children had accepted God, then the enemy, physical death took after them. And so he had them cornered up right there on the desert side, the Red Sea on one side, mountain on another, Pharaoh's army coming in pursuing with millions of soldiers coming in to march to overcome them. Now, God had already shown them he could deliver them by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. But now he's going to show them physical redemption. See, both for salvation and healing for the natural man and the spiritual man. Right? So he saves them spiritually down in Egypt there from death. Come on. He brings them right down and now he's going to bring in the physical deliverance. And the death angel passed over knowing God had made a way of escape through the offering of blood and they accepted. Now he's going to make a way of escape from physical death. He says, like the believer, as soon as he gets saved, maybe a cancer has eaten him up or some disease. God has redemption also through power. The same that he has redemption for the soul, he has redemption for the body. They were saved, they were sanctified, they were under the blood, but yet Pharaoh, the enemy, was going to destroy them, kill them all in the wilderness. Then God showed his power of redemption for the body. Redemption by power. And then the enemy was really right and nearly on them. That great pillar of fire, supernatural pillar of fire, raised up over Israel, come and stood there between them and death. Did anybody hear that? The great supernatural cloud of God. 
Listen, this cloud that came, amen, showing seven angels, showing that all the ages were complete, it is not just for a display on your wall. It is a wall of fire about us. It is the pillar of fire to stand between you and your enemy, stand between you and your sickness. Now, to ever believe a born-again child of God, when death comes stealing to the door prematurely, the angel of God stands between you and the sickness. Now, if you want to run right onto it, that's your business, but you don't have to. He's standing between you and death. Amen. Amen. He said, oh, I wish I could get this under under, the, the fifth rib on the left side till it hits the core of the heart. You just, see people, you just see people get up with all kinds of diseases hanging on to them and walk out of this building rejoicing, refusing to have it. Cripples would walk just as normal as they could be. They'd refuse to know anything else. You're scared. You're afraid to make the start. You're waiting for God to come down and pull you out. God doesn't do that way. You're the one that has to make the step. He gives you the promise that says, come on, and then you follow. Amen. Now he said, notice the children of Israel. God came and stood between them and the danger, the power of redemption. Redemption by power. Redemption by blood. Redemption by power. And there, there, all the enemies, their chariot wheels had been taken off. Their horses spooked in the middle of the river. And, you know, the wire wheels marked down in the mud and fell off a bunch of men frantically running the enemy. And the Israel climbed up on the bank to seek God stretch forth his hand and destroy all the enemy. A beautiful type, the believer under the blood, been healed then by the go-between, the power of God, sparing his life, prolonging it for a time. Did everyone been killed right there? He'd have been massacred there in the wilderness if God hadn't stood between them. And he said, you'd have been dead a long time ago if God hadn't stood between you and death. Every one of you, so God in his sovereign grace and mercy stands between the believer and death. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, this was Palestine. There, when they were in Palestine, it belonged to Israel. That was their dwelling place. For Israel to dwell. This body is yours. Hello. This body is yours. Your body belongs to you. It don't belong to the devil. Amen. God wanted you to have it. It's your dwelling place. But the devil's moved in. Cancer, tuberculosis, diseases. You say, he says, I'll take you out. I'll do this. I'll do that. But you know what? Something's happening. That pillar of fire has come among us. The captain of the Lord's host and every devil that's got the people's bound is scared to death. Sure they are, they're fainting. Why? They, they hear the Philistines and so forth faint. Why? Why did Jericho faint? Because the people that had the promise was on the road to come in. And I just want to say to you today, the devil is defeated. He's on the run. Cancer has been defeated. Brain bleeds has been defeated. Eye disease has been defeated. Kidney disease has been defeated. Amen. Crippled conditions have been defeated. Are you with me? Amen. I know I was a boy that walked on my ankles there and there, there. One day I received a word from God. 
Amen. A pastor drove 500 miles over me to bring me a word. And that word was there that said this, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. Hallelujah. I ain't in a wheelchair yet. Amen. Because God is still God and God is still a healer. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. I want to put the devil on notice today. He is defeated. He's defeated in your life. You can put him under your feet this morning. You have the right as a child of God to claim your inheritance. It is yours right now. Amen. Give God the praise with all of your heart. We have returned to the land of healing. There's healing in this land. There's deliverance in this land. There's salvation in this land. The power of God is in this land. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. He's under your feet. He's under your feet. Put the sword in your mouth and say, Satan, get out. Leave us. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let your musicians come. Let's just worship him a moment. Amen. Just keep worshiping. Just keep worshiping. Keep thanking him for it. Amen. He's going to put that devil. You say, I've had fear a long time. He's going to put that under your feet. It's not of God. Amen. You say, I've had this condition a long time. It's going to be under your feet. You're an overcomer. That's what you are. You, you, we, you wasn't called here to be defeated. You was called here to be an overcomer. Yes. Hallelujah. To rise up above it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of our rock. Blessed be the name of the Lord who is our shield. There's a pillar of fire between you. Hallelujah. There's, there's a cloud by by day and a fire by night between you and your enemy. You don't have to walk out into death. If your soul is sick today, you don't have to continue that, that path down to death. Amen. There's a pillar of fire standing in your way. Don't go into that door. Amen. Walk away from it. Walk right into there. Let him bring deliverance to you. You're sick in your body. I am the Lord God that healeth all of thy diseases. I am the Lord God and I change not. He is not a man that he repents. He is not a man that he would lie or a son of man that he would repent. Whatever he says and he releases, he'll never have to take it back. God has released healing to this age and to this time and delivered for his people on every level of your life, body, soul, and spirit. And he's here to deliver you this morning. Receive it now in the name of Jesus Christ and claim it for yourself and say, I accept it, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With somebody, with somebody where revelation just striking in your heart, just cry out right now and respond to that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Just give in. Give in to what he just revealed to you. He's revealing healing to you. He's revealing deliverance to you. Right now, accept it in the name of Jesus Christ. Satan, you are defeated. You got to take your hands off of God's property. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we claim the blood that was shed at Calvary. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Since they watched the film, they saw it. Went, went back to the doctor. They've been praying. So we've been praying now for a miracle. Not just for healing. We've been praying for a miracle. She went back to the doctor the other day. And the doctor said, there is no mass. It's all gone. <laughs> Hallelujah. You don't think she would rejoice? You don't think she would love God? You don't think she would think, my God's a healer? My God's a deliverer? Hallelujah! My God's a consuming fire! He'll consume sin! He'll consume your enemy! He'll bring the victory in your life! We believe Him with all our hearts. Hallelujah! Thank you. 